The term toxic masculinity is doing more damage than good, and we need to stop using it. Join me and Jetty Azuma for a powerful conversation that sheds light on what it really means to be a man. In this episode, you'll learn the distinction between man-woman, masculine-feminine, and male-female. You'll also learn how our current culture of punishment is making it harder for men to do men's work. Why men may feel unsafe to be around other men. The importance of having a right of initiation into manhood. Why men need the support and acknowledgement from other men. And why we need to stop using the label toxic masculinity. Host of the top-rated podcast, The Rising Man Podcast, and creator of The Rising Man Movement, Jedi Azuma has been in the field of men's leadership and empowerment for the past 10 years. As a rites of passage guide, mentor, and leadership coach, Jedi has impacted the lives of hundreds of men on his mission to initiate an entire generation of men into power and purpose-driven service to the world. Despite his many roles and contributions to men's work, Jetty considers his most important job to be that of father and husband. This is such an important conversation for all of us to be having right now. So please take the time to listen, take notes, and share this episode with anyone in your life who you feel would benefit from hearing Jetty's message. Now, just as a reminder, my upcoming book, Potent Leadership, will be released soon. I promise you it's coming. Get on the waitlist at rubyframon.com forward slash book waitlist. And if you're on the waitlist, you're going to be first in line to get the book as well as the bonuses that I'll be launching with the book release. You can also text hashtag book launch to 1781-336-0160 and get added to the book waitlist that way. Now, if you dig the podcast and you want to connect outside of the podcast, please head to rubyframon.com forward slash connect to be part of my email community. You can also text hashtag TTL to 1781-336-0160 if you prefer to stay in touch via text message. And finally, if you are a loyal thought leader or a brand new listener, please take a moment to drop a rating and review on iTunes, as well as download a few episodes. All of this helps me get this podcast to more leaders around the world. Now, it is time to rethink toxic masculinity with Jetty Azuma. Welcome to today's Thought Leader, where I'm challenging you to rise up, speak up, and create a movement. I'm your host, Ruby Fremon, and I'm here as a catalyst for you, the new generation of thought leaders. I'm a kick-ass life coach, a bullshit detector, and courageous communicator. I'll show you how to gain visibility, build a cult following, and create impact while increasing your income. Join me every week as I dive into raw and real conversations that will help you amplify your presence, influence, and impact. It's time to unapologetically do what you're here to do and do it your way. So get ready, thought leaders, and let's make shit happen. 
Hey, Thought Leaders, I'm back with a fresh new episode and a fresh new guest who goes by the name of Jetty Azuma. And Jetty and I have been in each other's peripheral worlds for quite some time, and we've just recently started connecting. And I have to say, I am a huge fan of the work that he does in our world. And I really, honestly, truly believe that the work that he does is of the utmost importance, especially now. And you're going to learn why. So, Jetty, welcome to today's thought leader. I'm super excited to have you here. So grateful to be here and to be finally connecting with you as well. It's really nice to finally sit down and jam. I know it's one thing to like know someone from social media, from Instagram, and it's another thing to actually just have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. How rare that is these days, right? We kind of skip that step. We're like, I know right. you. I've, I've been following you for two years on Instagram. It's like, right. no, not <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy to say that we are connecting now and we're getting to know each other and, and getting to dive beyond the Instagram profile pic and bio. Yes, um, yes. And I'm excited to do more of that deep dive in, in today's conversation. And mm -hmm. um, I'd love to just start off with, I mean, you work, uh, you say that you prepare the next generation of men to lead. And I love that. And, you know, men's work isn't something that's super new. It, it's being done in, in a multitude of different ways nowadays, which is great to see. And what I'm interested in is why you got into men's work in the first place. I'd love to just provide some context for our listeners. Well, it's really simple. I was in my early 20s and a very position, a very similar position that I'll, I find a lot of young men are. You know, I'm in my early 20s. I don't quite yet know what I want to do. Um, experiencing the vastness of the world and the human experience and looking around and not seeing anybody that could really help me understand my experience. Mm. I was surrounded by a lot of really great people, but we were all equally confused and in the same position as, as the other person. So I was doing what a lot of young men do, men that I support now. I was numbing myself. I was smoking too much weed. I was going out and partying, having a lot of awesome experiences, but I wasn't really connecting to something that was bigger than myself. Mm. And so that, that pain led me on a journey, uh, several thousand miles, all different types of experiences. I left a career behind, a community behind in New York City and traveled for four months and mm. finally encountered men that I could bounce and, and be mirrored by. Mm -hmm. Men who helped me understand what it was that I was actually looking for and how I could, how I could get there. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I found rites of passage, and all of a sudden, the the dots started to connect. The things that I was missing, the things that were absent in my life, a culture around becoming a man, mm -hmm. more than well, you go to college, you get a job, you get married, and you have a family, because that mm -hmm. that wasn't enough for me. And so going through my own process and then turning around and looking and seeing there's still so many men who are in the same confused position I was in. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I have to, I have to turn back around and reach out my hands. That's, that's, that's why I got started in this mm -hmm. work and it's continued to evolve and take shape as I've traveled that path. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. It, you know, as, as a woman, I know firsthand um, the traumas that we have, you know, women with women, and I've navigated that territory and, and I work with men and women in my work. And there's always, it, it's like, there's this different, um, relationship bond between with men versus man that 
um, is so interesting to me, just not being a man and not being from that space, but being able to witness just even in my own spaces and retreats when men come together, but are really able to, like you said, mirror each other and see each other. And I almost see like their shoulders dropping in that moment and a softening, like finally. And I'm so curious to hear your take on why we don't have that in, in relationships with men, like why we don't have that off the get-go. Why, why women don't have that in relationships? No, with men, men, like why, why it takes. Oh, why men don't have yeah. that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like why, well, why does it take, um, why is it hard for them to, to really understand what it takes to quote unquote be a man or like have that rite of passage into manhood or even like brotherhood what's Mm -hmm. the disconnect that you've witnessed it's just the legacy of manhood and masculinity the narrative that most of us in the western modern world have received Mm -hmm. the machismo the the story the vulnerability is weakness story Mm -hmm. the lone wolf self-made man story i mean this is nothing new. This is stuff that everybody's talking about now, which is great. Yeah. Problem is, is it's not enough to just talk about it. We yeah. actually have to be in those experiences, like you said, of actually getting together with other humans who share our experience, who've encountered the wounds, who have seen their fathers and their uncles model what a lot of people call this toxic masculinity, mm. but really is just an extension of boyhood that never matured. Mm-hmm. And then also experiencing the repercussions of perpetual boyhood and the, I guess, just the the negative encounters that boys have had with other boys and, and with men that have shaped their understanding of, I, I'm not really safe. I'm not really safe in relationship with other men because they're going to try to hurt me. They're going to try and compete with me. They're going to try and knock me down. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that we're, we're so much more capable together. Mm-hmm. When we're working in collaboration, I mean, our ancestors used to take down woolly mammoths together mm-hmm. to feed their families. That's that's what we do at our finest. Mm-hmm. But somewhere along the way, we got away from that because we felt there was this need to compete with one another, to be to be better than somebody else. And I think it's really a Western, more like colonial, modern concept. It's not in, when you talk to people from indigenous and more traditional cultures, that's not the story of manhood and masculinity. It's completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting when you said, um, feeling like I'm not safe because that's Mm -hmm. something that we as women have with each other too. Like we don't feel safe. I've never really heard a man say that about men, like not feeling safe around other men. Could you just share a bit more about that? I'm curious to, to know what that is. Yeah. Well, for, for anyone who identifies as a man who's listening, they know exactly Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about for, Mm -hmm. for people who don't have that experience. It's, being a 13 year old boy and mm. being in the locker room and you know a, a boy who's not maturing as quickly as the as the other boys and is ridiculed and put down because he hasn't hit puberty yet or because his mm. voice is squeaky those those small things that are you know as an adult you look back and you say oh who cares they're making mm-hmm. fun of your squeaky voice but we're we're just the same when we take man or woman the title the, the, the designator off of who we are, all we want at a base level is connection. Mm. We want to be a part of, and those experiences tell us that we don't belong. Mm-hmm. 
So that, that sense of safety, we, we, we gathered safety and a sense of safety by being in community with each other. That's what we've done since the beginning of humans. Mm -hmm. But anything that compromises that or affects our sense of well-being, that I belong here, I'm cared for, I'm welcome, I'm valuable, mm -hmm. is a very unsettling and unsafe feeling for any human really, but particularly boys and men. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because we, you know, in the perception of man, especially like you say, in Western culture is that of like, we have to be strong. We have to be this, we have to be the pillars. We have to hold it together. We have to, um, you know, it's, it, there's like almost like a, a display about it. Mm -hmm. And so many of the men that are in, in my circle that are in the work, there's a depth that of connection that they haven't yet been able to tap into and they're tapping into now through this work. Um, and once they do to witness a man going through that, there's like this beautiful transformative process that it almost like it shifts their whole inner world. It shifts their outer world. It shifts the way that they show up. Um, mm -hmm. It's really beautiful to witness as a woman on the other side of that as well because it shifts the relationships and the dynamics around them. Um, why do you believe that this work is, is so important right now? Well, I, I want to speak to what you just said for a minute, yeah. because the, the big problem with that macho mentality mm -hmm. is that it's dishonest. Mm -hmm. and, and, the, and the most, I mean, dishonesty is probably the biggest detriment to trust and, and a sense of overall safety for a community. Right. Mm -hmm. If somebody, if somebody's being inauthentic, that's probably the worst thing you could do to a community is inject mm -hmm. yourself into there and not be genuine. Yeah. And it's not to say that men are not capable of being courageous. I mean, there's, there's warriors on this planet who've mm -hmm. done some incredible things, but it's the, it's the false sentiment that there's an absence of fear mm -hmm. required to be a warrior that is, that plays into that machismo. Mm -hmm. So it's not taking away the the best things that we do as men. Because one of the things we do best as men is, is protect and guard mm. and keep safe, mm -hmm. hold sacred. That's, mm -hmm. that's what we're here to do. But it's not in the absence of fear. The precursor for courage is fear. You mm -hmm. can't be courageous if you're not afraid of anything. Right. But acknowledging that we are afraid, that I'm afraid for the well-being of my family at times. I'm afraid for my own well-being. I, I, I'm nervous about the unknown. And, and to be able to admit that and speak openly about it without feeling weak or made to be weak. It's, it's, it's a, it's a multi-gender. It's, it's a whole in, in, in uh, conversation that we all need to be having yeah. together collectively about right. how we want the expectations we want to put on men. Right. And that's why it's so important back to what you asked. That's it's important because it's not something that men go and take care of in isolation around a fire somewhere out in the woods. Mm -hmm. That's where we do some of our great work, but it means nothing if it's not an integrated conversation, uh, multi-generationally, multi-genderly mm -hmm. in our whole community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so it's so true. Um, there's, there's only so much work that we can do on our own just as individuals and then to have a community to reflect it all back to us and with us, but hold also like hold that space together. Um, mm -hmm. which is like in general, generally speaking, what our collective needs, right? Like we've been for, for how many generations competing against one another, um, trying to outdo one another, trying to, you know, um, 
and in the process, putting each other down, fighting for the top. And there's just this call now for us to start rising together. And I don't know, there's like, there's gaps in our ability to do so because for so many of us, we haven't learned how we, we haven't been shown how, um, we haven't had it demonstrated in our life, you know, and we've been taught otherwise. And so there's just this real need for it to be shown and demonstrated. And I love that your work is, um, you know, you do a lot of things live and they're able to connect in that way together because that's in such an ultra Uber digitalized world that we're living in. It's like that in-person connection and to be amongst each other and each other's presence is so, so important. Um, and you have some really interesting ways that people work with you. And I'd love for you to just share a little bit about that and, and, how you came to um, work with men in this way, like in this specific way. Yeah. Well, the, the conversation I was having back when I was 23 years old, like mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier in the episode was what does it mean to be a man? Mm -hmm. I really didn't know. <laughs> I, I had mm -hmm. a great relationship with my dad still do, but it felt incomplete. Even at that time, I was like, this, this can't be all of what it means to be a man. I don't just, I don't agree with everything that I've seen from him or my uncles or my coaches that I'd had mm -hmm. up to that point. And so I was in, I was in pursuit of that. I was seeking it. And mm -hmm. I think that every, every boy who's out there on a journey is looking for what their version and definition of a man really is. And so that was, that was my journey. And that's what I was doing when I traveled. I was, I was going out there exploring and trying to discover, well, what is my version of a man? What does mm -hmm. it mean to be a man the way I want to be a man? Mm -hmm. And one of the communities I encountered, there are actually two. Uh, you know, the first one I already kind of mentioned was the the culture of men's teams and men's circles that was mm -hmm. really instrumental in my foundations of leadership, understanding men, the masculine dialogue. And complementary to that was my, my venture into uh, Native American traditions and rites of passage. Mm. and specifically wilderness fasting. So mm -hmm. when I, in 2014, I was 26 years old and I went out and did a vision fast. So four days, uh, four days, four nights out in the wilderness, mm -hmm. no food, just water and um, by myself, with myself mm -hmm. and nature and the elements. And that was tremendously impactful to me, you know, having that space and that time just of, of clarity and so part of my experience there combined with what I was learning in men's circles and leadership was to begin weaving those worlds together. So a mm -hmm. huge component of what we do in Rising Men is inviting men to connect with their own definition of what it means to be a man, their vision of how they want to be a leader in the world, and also having a deeper connection with nature as a teacher mm -hmm. and the wilderness mm -hmm. as our instructor. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm all for that. I, I have a deep connection and reverence to our Pachamama and all that she has to offer us. I, I love that you mentioned um, their own definition of what it means to be a man. Because mm -hmm. I feel like this can be argued, you know, like, what is the definition? What makes a man a man? What what's and then with all the talk nowadays, the healthy masculine, the wounded masculine, the toxic masculine, like what does it mean to be masculine? What does it mean to be a man? And mm -hmm. um, you know, I see this in my brothers around me and in my husband, like how they think about this and and 
it's, it's tough because you're bombarded with all these different messages, whether it's online and through, through other people of what it really means to be a man. But here you are saying, and you encourage them to create their own definition of what it means to be a man. Um, So one, I'd like to talk about the masculine versus manhood, toxic masculinity, wounded masculine. And, um, why you or how you support men in creating or understanding what it really means for them to be a man. Yeah. Well, uh, first I'll speak to what you said about just every man's definition of what it means to be a man for them. Because Mm -hmm. one of the things that I've learned is the way I think about it is, um, there's this father avatar, right? Mm-hmm. Part of the journey from boyhood to manhood is accepting the responsibility from our fathers or anyone in our life, in our lives who was like a father to us, accepting responsibility and for our own life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I've got me. Thank you for everything you did. I'm going to take care of, of myself, which then empowers me to take care of others. So that's one of the thresholds I believe boys need to cross. And so this fatherhood, father avatar is for me, the person I created in my mind with all the different parts and pieces that I've come to really appreciate and admire and respect in other men. Mm -hmm. So honor and integrity and and the men who come to mind when I think about that, they're, they're a part of that avatar and then service and community and family, things that I value and have decided that's my version of manhood and the men who, who I admire and use as a model for that and Mm -hmm. putting them all together in some, you know, masterpiece of an amalgamation of a man. Mm. That's to me, my definition of manhood. Mm. And so I think every, every boy is ultimately on a journey to compile and put together that father avatar and all of the things that we witness that we like about manhood Mm -hmm. from other men, as well as the things that we witnessed and said, "Uh -uh, that's not for me. I'm not really about that. You know, maybe you had a dad who was complete, who was absent in your life and, and he taught you, how you don't want to be a father or a man. It's all relevant. Mm-hmm. It all plays into this. So I feel like that's that's what we are ultimately doing as, as boys, assembling this version of, of a man. Just to put a note in here too, I also make a distinction between man and woman, male and female, masculine mm-hmm. and feminine, because I've found that those are actually three very distinct things. Mm. And we could talk about that a little bit more. Yes, but I would love I, to. I know, because for me, man and woman is something that we identify as. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't have the right to tell anybody that they are a man or that they are a Mm -hmm. woman or that they're not a man or they're not a woman. That's a Mm -hmm. personal preference. I've been, I've facilitated workshops and events that had people who have, um, who've changed genders, Mm -hmm. who were born um, biologically female and identify as male or or some other gender, but call themselves a man. I'm like, Hey, this is men's work. You're welcome Mm -hmm. here because you identify as a man. That's like, that's my perspective on it. Right. But then when we talk about masculine and feminine, for me, those are just two words that describe a series of qualities mm-hmm. that, uh, that complement one another in a, in a polar relationship. And then male and female, to me, that's just two out of what seems like 30 or 40 different designations of gender that we can choose. That's a choice. Mm-hmm. You can choose a gender identity. So when you look at it, there are three different things that often have been pulled into the same category. We've mm-hmm. had man, male, and masculine be synonymous with each other when it, it really doesn't work in our society mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's it. I love that you brought that distinction to the table. I think it's important for people to hear. And I, I really love the way that you explain it. Um, for me, just like personally, my own journey, just 
navigating the different qualities of masculine feminine energy and understanding the harmonious nature of those energies and how they work and and also how like one isn't bad and what isn't good like that's been my journey and it's crazy to me that I like to even become aware of the fact that I had this belief system in me that one was better than the other or if one was utilized in a certain way it's better and it's bad if it's utilized in this way and it just became this entire dismantling process for me and now I'm just reconfiguring everything by understanding what it is or how it is that I would like to flow through life and what actually ultimately feels good in my system. And so thank you for sharing that. Um, and, and with that, let's talk about this whole notion of the wounded, unhealthy, toxic, masculine energy. Because yeah. <laughs> I know you have a few things to say about that. <laughs> I, I got a few. And the, and the first is that I really wish people would stop using the terminology toxic masculinity. Mm. Because for me, toxicity is poison. Mm -hmm. And to label anything as poisonous, it ultimately creates a barrier between the healing that needs to occur. Mm. And I know that our, our culture and social media is all about buzzwords and toxic mm -hmm. masculinity is a really easy thing for people to latch onto and then also capitalize from. Yeah. But if we really care about healing on a societal, multi-generational level, then we have to stop labeling people and the way that they're being as toxic. Mm. Because for me, there's only one. There's only one way that people are. Inherently, we are all innately good. We all, mm -hmm. especially men. Let's just talk about men and the mm -hmm. masculine, right? Yeah. We come onto this planet and we want to be of service. Every man. I've worked with thousands of men at this point. No matter how much shit that they've been through, no matter how wounded that they are, when you cut back all the layers, there's a heart in there that wants to give all of itself mm -hmm. to their people period. I've got enough evidence to understand this, you know? And when we start labeling certain ways of being as toxic, then it's creating greater separation. It's mm. perpetuating and further seeding shame, which ultimately perpetuates the cycle of men doing bad things that we don't like as a society because we feel so hurt. Like we don't, again, going back to the boy who was bullied in the locker room, 99 times out of a hundred, that's the boy who goes back and shoots up the school. Mm. And if, and, and that, that dynamic, we can blow that up and apply that to everything. That's the man who objectifies a woman who, who, go, who gets to the point where he takes advantage of a woman. That's the man who uses abusive language, dominating qualities. He's just mirroring what he probably experienced as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, that you never, you never hear about a story of a guy who does any of this stuff, who had a beautiful childhood with both parents, fully loving, fully present and never experienced any major trauma. And it's like, it's never the case. Yeah. So to label that toxic, we're making that younger version of that person wrong for having an experience that was out of their control. Hmm. And I'm not okay with that. I, I know that this is like a big debate and I'm sure there's a lot of people who will hear this and say, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. and, I get it, but if we really care about healing, then we have to stop labeling things as poisonous, mm. right? We got to, We have yeah. to all take responsibility for it. We all created this. Mm -hmm. And if it's we're not so taking true. responsibility, then we're just perpetuating the problem and feeding it further. Right. Um, 
And I just want to clarify to our listeners, like Jetty schooled me on this too in our first conversation. Um, and I was super interested in learning more about his take on the, this quote unquote toxic masculinity. And it, it does make a lot of sense to label someone's behavior presence as toxic when we're really just operating from what we know, you know, and, and, and that's just it. We're all, all, I'm a big believer that we're all doing our own individual best at all times with what we know and what we've been given and what we've been shown. So with that being said, then how do you choose to speak about it? How do we have these conversations around the masculine energies? Mm-hmm. So here's here's my disclaimer on this too. If, if people okay. didn't sh- shut me off by now, <laughs> then here's the disclaimer I should have said is I also don't condone mm-hmm. or overlook any of these behaviors. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I, don't, I don't condone the f- when, when, when a man takes advantage of a woman, mm-hmm. right? Or, or, or is abusive to a child. Okay. It's, it's not to excuse any of that behavior. Right. Right. I think we all get to be held accountable to our actions, but it's always leaving open the possibility for uh, restoration, for uh, rehabilitation, I guess, for lack of a better term, that we can, that there's always a pathway back to healing. Because if we cut off that pathway, which is what I believe labeling people and actions as toxic does, mm-hmm. then there's, there's no, there's no route to the healing. It's stagnant water. That's what, mm-hmm. that's what, that's what toxicity is, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's still water. It's not moving. And so the way that I choose cause I've, I've been in circles with men who have admitted to doing all of these things, mm-hmm. all, all of the things that you can imagine uh, that, that would be labeled as toxic. I've done most of them myself. And I've been in circles with men who have done all of them at some mm-hmm. points in time. And if you, if you can create a container where we're not going to judge you for who you've been before and what you've done, we're not going to, we're not going to make you wrong or make you bad for doing that. We're going to, we're going to honor you for having the courage to take ownership of it. But now we're going to hold you accountable to living to a higher standard. Mm. You know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it's something you can't go and take back, but what can you do to bring that back into integrity? What is the conversation you need to have? What's the restorative action? What do you need to do and be held accountable to moving forward? So that doesn't happen again, mm-hmm. so that we don't perpetuate of, of violence in our culture, violence towards women, violence towards children, violence towards ourselves. Mm-hmm. And those are the conversations that I'm interested in being. There's, there's this culture of punishment that we have mm-hmm. that is, again, it's more of a modern, more, more colonial mindset that let, let's take all the bad, let's put it away somewhere and let it rot. Mm-hmm the prison yeah. system, cancel mm-hmm. culture, all this stuff. Let's let's take all the things that we want to gather up as an angry mob and cluster it together and then package it somewhere and pretend that that poison isn't going to seep back into the earth and pollute our water mm-hmm. a mile down the road. Because that's what happens. It doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just disappear off the face of the planet. It just festers and boils and finds another way to impact us. So we're not actually healing anything. We're just trying to distance ourselves from it for a little bit longer. But in reality, we're just packaging that up as a nice present for the future generations to handle. And right. I don't think that's what we're here to do. Yeah. And that's what perpetuates the cycles that we've all found ourselves in, right? It just keeps going and going and going because we've just keep continued to brush it off or put it aside or not want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I've just personally witnessed in the last like four or five years, there's been this opening of like, let's look at this now. Yes. Um, yeah. let, let's look at this together. Let's look at it and let's navigate through this and let's, let's 
work on this. And let's talk about what we're scared of. Like right. when, when we label things as toxic, well, what, what are we afraid of? Because mm-hmm. that we, we label things as negative when we're trying to protect ourselves mm-hmm. from it. So let's, let's have a more courageous conversation all the way around the circle instead of just trying to put more distance between it. Yeah. Plus, like who wants to come into a circle and be labeled as toxic? Like mm-hmm. that doesn't set the stage for a healing experience that that's like setting the stage with an accusation almost like let's demonize you first and then let's pull the demon out (laughs) there there you go well said right so see i'm learning i'm learning in this conversation and and, (laughs) and i'll definitely no longer be using that term but it's just also so interesting to hear because it is such a buzzword right now and there's such a buzz around it and um I think for, it's almost like, I mean, from my perspective, personally, it's almost like men are being demonized in a a much harsher way Mm. with these types of labels. And if I was in that person's shoes, like it would not make me want to work on it. It would make me want to retract or lash out or react. Mm Whereas, you know, at the end of the day, all human beings just want to be seen, heard, felt, acknowledged, and um, be to be labeled something like toxic. That's not really seeing, hearing, feeling, acknowledging them at all, or what what the the history of what led them to be in this presence today. Yeah, and one of the things that so many men do is we take things really personally. Mm. We, Tell really, me really more personally. about this. <laughs> well, so just imagine this, like you said, you know, a, a guy out there who is is interested and in starting to see the way that they've been. Mm-hmm. But now there's this greater dialogue that people around him and on social media are having about toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And someone puts up that post with toxic masculinity is dot, 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 dot. And he, right. reads the, he reads the bullet points. It's like, fuck, that's me. And people think of me that way. Now, all of a sudden, his his sense of taking things personal and mm-hmm. therefore the value that he holds in his mm-hmm. community can, starts to shrink. And it's very isolating. And that's a very fearful place to be. Now, a, a guy who's done his work, who knows who mm-hmm. he is, knows what he stands for, has has faced off with a lot of his own demons, taken responsibility for his past and his current, isn't going to take those things as personally. Mm-hmm. Like myself, for example, I see that and I understand it. I've taken the time to really look at it. I've had my really hard processes with it. I've been angry. I've been angry at people who say toxic masculinity mm-hmm. before. I, I'm a little bit more tame about it now because mm-hmm. I get it. Right. But somebody who who hasn't done that is going to get shut down by that. And we already kind of talked about, well, yeah. as soon as we start shutting down the path towards healing, mm-hmm. then we're, we're not helping that process anymore. But the fact that men take things so personally, I think it's all, it all, it's all part of the historical narrative. Well, we can be hard on men because men can take it. Mm-hmm. In some instances, that's true. You know, men, men in particular are, are very resilient. I mean, women also, I'm not trying to isolate mm-hmm. women from this. Humans are very resilient, but we're also humans. We're not superheroes. We're not Superman where we can just take all the blows and then wake up the next day. Mm -hmm. Guys who, who do a lot of these horrendous and heinous acts of violence and crime on their, on on communities and society are guys who have been repeatedly beaten down. And I I honestly, I I understand why they would go to, to extreme lengths to express their pain because there was nobody willing to sit down with them and hear it 
mm-hmm. and see it and give them a possibility towards healing and reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And this is a big concept. I mean, this is not something that I expect people to just hear and suddenly shift their mindset around. But at, at the best case scenario, I hope that this just invites people to look at it differently. Mm-hmm. That, we're not, that, that we don't win by making certain people wrong. We win right. by working together towards a solution and how we can all circle up around this instead of, well, well, you go take care of this because this is your fault. That's not an adult. That's still a mm-hmm. child. Yeah. Yeah. We don't win by making people wrong. Um, and yet our society continues to, to breed that into our collective. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting in, I, I am a wife, I have a husband and, you know, I've been in, in relationships in the past as well as my second marriage. And, um, what's been interesting for me to witness, especially in, in this marriage and this relationship, uh, because of our connection and our ability to communicate with one another is learning just how important it is for a man, um, to feel acknowledged mm-hmm. um, for it all. I think, mm-hmm. um, and I'm speaking for me, myself, someone who identifies as a woman, that we love to be acknowledged. You know, <laughs> women, we love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we take for granted or we overlook the fact that there are men in our lives, those who identify as male, that really also have that need to be acknowledged for their experiences and for all that they're already doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think it's easy to point out what we're doing wrong. It's kind of like what you're saying, like the culture of punishment. It's also like, we just like to point the finger and and here's all the things that you're doing wrong, but not here's all the things that you're doing right. Mm -hmm. And from what I have learned just on my journey in my marriage is it's so important for my husband to hear that. Mm. To hear, here's all the things that you're doing right. Here's what I acknowledge you for. Here's what I respect mm-hmm. and honor. <laughs> and, and that for me personally has been a learning um, because I don't remember ever being taught or shown that that is important. Mm-hmm. What a novel concept. To, to motivate somebody into performance by honoring and acknowledging them right? instead of shaming and guilting them. I mean, what a novel idea. I right. mean, it's, it's, it's so funny when you actually talk about it out loud, but mm-hmm. for generations, that's what we've done. We've shamed and guilted and belittled people to motivate mm-hmm. them to perform better right. <laughs> across the board instead yeah. of honoring people, acknowledging them, lifting them up. And also being willing to point out where we can, we can improve, mm-hmm. but, but shifting the skills and tilting it a little bit more. I mean, one of the most transformative and profound experiences I had mm-hmm. was um, early on in my marriage. We, my wife and I, we've been married almost seven, seven years now. And we got pregnant with our first child three months into, into marriage. Mm-hmm. So early on, I think my, my kid was, had just been born and I feel like I'm just screwing everything up. All the feedback I'm getting from my wife is I'm not satisfied. Life is hard. And, and it was, mm-hmm. but everything I was getting at home was like, Oh man, I am screwing this up. Mm-hmm. And to go to, to go to my men's team, to sit with men who are twice my age and to feel just dejected and defeated and to have them just say, Hey, hold on a second. And they all st- stand me up. And one by one, they put their hand on my heart 
looked mm. me in the eyes and told me what I am doing well and how, how good of a job I am doing. Tears in their eyes, tears in my, I mean, come on like that. I, I, I try to encourage men not to depend on validation as a mm -hmm. lifeline, because I don't think that that's a sustainable way to get what we need, but to be open and, and willing to receive acknowledgement because it feels good. Like you said, mm -hmm. right. It feels good to be acknowledged for what people see in you that confirms who you've intended to be all along. It, not to be dependent on it where I'm, I'm going around and seeking it, right? Like mm -hmm. in like a codependent fashion, but uh, damn, it feels good. And my wife is great about acknowledging me. She does it all the time, but it means something different when it comes from an older man. I don't know how else to say it. Like when it comes from somebody who knows what I'm going through as a father, as a husband, as somebody trying to provide and pay the bills and fighting my battles every day, mm -hmm. broke, broke me down. And when I get to turn around and do that for other men, I mean, it's like, it's, it's tears every time because mm -hmm. we put so much pressure on ourselves. I mean, men, we, we literally die earlier than women do across mm -hmm. the board. Like we, we, we're leaders in every major health category because it's, it's, it's tough. It's stressful mm -hmm. taking on some of these roles that most men do in our society. So yeah. it's just, it's just beautiful when men can get like loved up on and taken care of too, and not expected to be these superhero stalwarts that, you know, the past generations were building us up to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, and it's not something that they receive every day. And, and, you know, now we have spaces like the spaces that you curate and people in, in this work curate for men to step into, to receive that, but do you find that there's um, not an unwillingness, but maybe an unwillingness to receive from other men or a, a hesitation? Like what really causes a man to shift into that um, mindset of, okay, you know what? I actually need to receive from other men. It's a practice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I'd be lying if I told you it's like a, a it's like a dimmer switch. It's not like a mm -hmm. switch that you flick. It's like something that right. grows over time. Because honestly, I think guys have been taught not to trust that. <laughs> I can't tell you uh, the overwhelming majority of men who come into our spaces and say, I've been avoiding this for years because I just don't trust men. Mm -hmm. I've been hurt. I've been bullied. I've, I've had guys take things from me, kick my ass. And that those things, you don't forget those things. <laughs> those are some of mm -hmm. our most clear, vivid memories. So I think it's experiencing it, witnessing it in other men too. That was what I, you know, I, I sat on a men's circle for the first year. I was just quiet. I was like a fly on the wall. Mm -hmm. I was with guys twice my age doing things I'd never seen before. Mm -hmm. So witnessing men do this and being able to trust men again, based on what I was witnessing them do. Yeah. And then, you know, that first courageous plunge into, Hey, here's what's going on for me. And then they didn't run away. They didn't make me feel like shit for it. They didn't tell me I was, you know, call me names or make me feel less than, but saying, Hey, me too. Mm -hmm. You know, me, me too, bro. Yeah. I, I've experienced that before. I know where you're at. I see you. I get it. And what do you want to do about it? That's the mm -hmm. conversation that my opinion, mature men have with each other. It's the way we love up on each other. Like, mm -hmm. Hey, I get it. I see you. And what do you want to do about it? Cause you're yeah. powerful. You can do something. That's, that's what, that's what every boy, every man needs is, is mm -hmm. that in their lives. And that's why I'm such a stand for it because without it, we get all of the headlines. 
right? We get mm-hmm. we get the man who the nice guy who just suddenly blew a, cat, a fuse one day and shot up his whole family. Mm-hmm. The guy who you know, all these all these incredible things that just don't make sense to us. But right. when you when you really dig in and, and and you see what a lot of men are experiencing beneath the surface, it makes sense. It's logical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that like, I just want to thank you for the work that you do because it's so so important. It really is, and it's something that is needed. It's something that I think a lot of men don't realize they need, but then when they realize they need it, they need it by that point. And so to know that there are spaces out there that they can step into and find that sense of community, that sense of acknowledgement, that sense of understanding and belonging, Mm. um, it is so important. So thank you so much for, for doing the work that you're doing, but also for being the work that you're doing. Cause I think that, um, if it isn't obvious by now, listeners, uh, Jetty is definitely someone who walks what he, everything that he preaches, like he is a testament to his work and, um, that's necessary too, you know, to model it for the men so that they can actually see what it looks like because they're again, going back to the fact that a lot of men just didn't see it. They, they didn't have that, modeled for them in their life in any way, shape or form. And so for them to see what that looks like, what it feels like, what it, what it's beautiful. It's beautiful work. Thank you. Thank you, Ruby. It's it's truly an honor. It's my greatest honor, you know, aside from being a father and a husband. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, So we are nearing the end of this episode and I'd love to just know if there's any final thoughts that you want to leave with our listeners. Yeah, you know, we we talked we, we were finishing up by talking about acknowledgement. One of the greatest yeah. acknowledgement that I believe boys get to receive from men and men get from other men is uh, the rites of initiation. Mm-hmm. And this is something we didn't really go into much about, but my work in rites of passage is is also synonymous with initiation. Where um, textbook definition of initiation is being admitted into a secret society, which mm-hmm. secret kind of makes it sound culty, but right. basically it's it's a community of people who have gone through a shared or similar ordeal. Mm-hmm. That then gives you, grants you admittance into this community. And, mm-hmm. and we've done this, I mean, since the beginning of humans, we've all had different rites of passage initiations. So one of the greatest acknowledgements is when we take these guys out and they go out on their four-day fast and they're received by other initiated men on the other side. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about healing that wound of belonging, that mm-hmm. wound of purpose, that wound of who am I? It's a beautiful way to do it. And so- I just wanted to put that punctuation mark on it because it's something that's not been available to most of us. Most of us come from cultures that have been lost. And so I just want to let men out there know that those opportunities are available to have that experience and to be seen and witnessed as you step into your version of manhood. Mm, Yeah. And for those of you listening who want more info on that, I've got Jetty's links in the show notes, risingman.org. You can also connect with him at Jetty Azuma on Instagram or Rising Man Movement on Instagram, as well as his podcast, The Rising Man Podcast. Um, And again, those links will be in the show notes. Um, But Jetty, thank you so much for just sharing your presence, your wisdom, um, for schooling us on why we got to stop using the term toxic masculinity, um, but also for being the embodiment of the work that you do and your message. Cause I think if anything, um, there's only so much we can learn through words and the rest we learn through the embodiment of others. And you really demonstrate that well. So thank you. Mm, Thank you, Ruby. Thank you so much. I received that. And thank you for everything that you do. I mean, 
deep bows. You've been doing this for like twice as long as I have in the podcast game. And it's truly a labor of love. I always like to acknowledge when I'm a guest on a podcast, Mm -hmm. I always like to acknowledge the host because nobody knows unless they're doing it themselves, nobody knows how much really goes into it. So thank you for doing that and creating Mm -hmm. spaces where these conversations can, can happen. Mm, thank you. I fully receive that acknowledgement. Um, <laughs> and to our listeners, thank you so much for joining Jetty and I for an episode of today's Thought Leader. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. Be sure to download a few episodes, drop a rating and review. And if you have any insights you'd like to share or questions, please reach out to us on social media at Jetty Azuma on Instagram at I am Ruby on Instagram. And um, Let's check back in on Monday for a brand new episode of Today's Thought Leader. Thank you, Jetty. Thank you, listeners. And I'll see you back here on Monday.